Welcome back, everybody. And we're here with the Changing Times podcast, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything transformation related. And again, we're here joined by uh, two amazing writers for transformation. Uh, both have uh, Lycan Dope and Fake Man here with us tonight. And we're talking a little bit about the literature side of the community and uh, what's involved there. So just to kind of carry on where we left off, I um, want to go ahead and talk about, um, since you both are uh, erotica writers here, so just a little bit on that sort of topic at, the, at hand here. Do you think that um, in terms of maybe from the outterior perspective that transformation is only going to be, or transformation writing rather, is only going to be interesting if it involves erotic themes, um, do you feel that if you do like a one-off, like a really quick, dirty one, that that's probably going to get more popularity than that something that's like more thought out, like you said earlier, uh, like in dope, that has more details and more structure to it? Uh, I think it totally depends on, well, both the writer and the reader, but probably primarily the reader uh, as to what they're kind of looking for. Uh, you have people who for them the transformation itself is the erotic part and i've had people tell me before that they are not actually interested in the sex they would rather the characters change and then do their do their normal whatever creature things but then that the sex for them wasn't wasn't it um, and i think that comes down to a lot of it being um, a little bit of just plain old what do they like in a story and then also kind of uh, because of what it is um, a bit of the the fetish for them like what is the fetish uh and there are so many answers to that one that yeah it's it totally depends some people want want the sex with the transformation some people want the whatever with the trans or just want the transformation so it's it's kind of a a wide open thing for me personally i appreciate the eroticism of not just the transformation but um uh, erotic situations with it so sex with the transformation or transformation um because of sex inf infection or or curse or, or whatever um for me that's that's what i enjoy reading but and so that's typically what i will write um i don't try to think if there's stories that i've written that really don't have sex in them, but I think almost all of them are like that. So thankfully that's why there's different kind of writers out there. <laughs> right. And as far as uh, quick and dirty versus plot, I, I think, again, that's, that's, you know, what the person is interested in. Um, and I will sometimes write just a quick and dirty sexual erotica thing, just because I just want to write something. Um, maybe it's been a little while. Maybe I just want to spit something out real quick and I'm getting antsy about it. So, or I just want something erotic and I don't want to think about a story. I'll do that. Um, the gift being one of those uh, big orgy transformation scene was really fun to write. <laughs> and sometimes I'll write a, a longer thing that, that has a bit of a story in it. Typically still does have sex though. So um, different. Oh gosh. I was almost going to say different strokes for different folks. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Totally depends on the reader. I gotcha. And uh, what about you, Fake Man? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel that uh, um, a lot of times, like the shorter ones, are I don't know easier to get into to some degree. So they might be more popular. You tend to get a lot more feedback back on the ones that go into more detail, though. So it's one of those. I'm not going to say exactly quantity versus quality. But I mean, for simply an erotic story, I think that works better as kind of a short story than, um, you know, a van, you know, a vast epic. Uh, that being said, like transformation is just a really interesting topic if it's erotic or not. I mean, it, it's really interesting to just kind of do the speculative fiction thing and be like, well, what if werewolf? And it's like, I don't know. You can get all kinds of stuff like, well, would being a werewolf be a legal thing? If so, would it like only be in Amsterdam or is this a global? And it just becomes very strange once you start thinking about it in that kind of tangible sense. 
that being said, yeah, generally writing wise, um, I like the kind of short, often inexplicable uh, change, and it fits really well with um, the sex and the erotic theme because it is kind of this a climactic event in itself. You know, it, it mirrors this kind of humid expression of passion, I think, very well. I gotcha. All right, so seems like you two have sort of the uh, opposite perspective of things here. Uh, looks like Like and Dope is a little bit more on the detail, and you're more of the short and sweet kind of deal, uh, which nothing wrong with either way. It's just, you know, of course, the sort of contrast between the two. But um, with you, Like and Dope, um, one thing in particular that I found interesting with your works um, was pretty much the details that go into the character development as you had so uh, spoken earlier um i guess you could say just the sort of build up that you have for your characters um and then of course the sort of emotional process and physical process that they go through uh throughout the change and the results and the sort of life thereafter so uh can you kind of just maybe explain your whole process and that whole ordeal uh, as far as building the character and the sort of uh, style you put into your writing and to uh, get your sort of, uh, I guess, your writing style across to your viewers and the like. Sure. I've, um, I think I've posted something a long time ago mentioning that I can't seem to write a story without having at least some sort of backstory to it. Even if it's going to be some quick little dirty thing, it, it, I, I have a really hard time just putting a here's a character they transform they have sex and it was great you know it's really difficult for me not to have some kind of development because uh i want my readers to be uh, emotionally invested in what's happening because to me a lot of the the allure to the situation is that the person is changing i mean that that the whole change is not just a they're the same person exactly, and except now they're in this different body. I mean, with the change comes all kinds of new, new emotions and new feelings and new urges, and and it helps to, if nothing else, set a baseline for it to say like you know this is this character and you know this is who they are before all of this happened, you know, and this is how they are afterwards. Um, because a lot of it to me is the um, I guess you would say kind of the um, the submissive whoever changing into a powerful, um, aggressive, dominant creature. Not just in a transformation sense, but also from their personality. And I think showing that transformation from, from their human side to the other side is, is pretty important. Um, and not just a here's a person. To actually, or or like with um, legal issues, where it was the 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 cow lady, you know, to show in that in that sense of her being this lawyer that didn't care about anything, and then slowly throughout the story, telling about how after she started changing, she would start to remember part of her childhood and how how actually even though she was poor and even though they didn't have anything it was important to her and she had fun and she was more relaxed and she was more happy and it kind of in the sense of the transformation because to me cows are more of a docile creature it kind of brought out her childhood in her and showed her remembering what was um, what was more simple in life and more um, important to her as a child so I think the stuff like that helps with, with the transformation. Um, and if I'm going to build the world and I'm going to have a character that's going to be anything more than a 1,000 word thing, yeah, I, I want them to, to be a little bit distinct from everything else, the other stories that I've written. I want them to have even minor little goals or even minor little objectives to, to get the reader to feel for the characters. Um, to care about the characters. I've had people tell me they've almost cried over, like, um, Stay, a little story of the, the lady who turned into a were-dog. Um, and one of the scenes, the boyfriend, after the girlfriend has changed, um, 
finds a box of dog toys in the closet. And he thought, you know, how difficult it must have been for her to go and buy something for her alternate personality. Because when she changed, it's not even her anymore. It's mostly a dog's personality, very happy, very go lucky kind of thing. And so he's, you know, reflecting on how difficult that must have been to go and buy toys for yourself when you know your personality has been eroded away and and you're accepting that. And so it's, it's kind of kind of adds a little bit to it and gets the the reader that much more into the story. So, you know, kind of start with a seed of, of what I want to have happen. Um, how does that affect the characters and in, in, in what sense, um, whether it's a thing like legal issues with a reminder of their childhood and, and what was important or whether it was um, a recent story uh, called Bitch where it was more of a revenge-ish kind of thing where a lady was a cruel kind of thing and and stuck up and the was cursed and kind of brought out more of her bestial animalistic urges and, and, you know, eroded her away. So it's, it's kind of building up a little thing around these little ideas and then adding and adding and adding until something is there. I gotcha. All right. Yeah. And, uh, I can definitely see where you're coming from that, uh, especially in the, uh, story uh that i believe you wrote um forgot what the exact name for it was i'm kind of looking through her gallery here to see if i can find it um was you the one that wrote the story about gwen coming of gwen or was that someone else that one no i don't think i have any gwen characters okay uh one story i read in particular and i guess you could say you could kind of reflect this in regards to your writing um is the I think it was called the coming of Gwen. It's a uh, um, these two girls that you know they store sort of mock their one of their teachers in high school, and then of course their high school teacher uh, takes their revenge on them, turns into a werewolf, and it does involve skin ripping. Um, oh. But for the sake of not spoiling, um, uh, in terms of the skin ripping, what I found interesting in regards to that was the sort of uh, like you said, the personality sort of coming out of that, uh, the uh, really the skin ripping aspect of it, I felt kind of uh, really helped to reflect the conveyance of the sort of change in personality in that regards, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, I know the story you're talking about. I don't mm-hmm. the author, but I think there is three pieces to it. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is. Right, right. So I uh, can definitely see where you're coming from in terms of that. Um, so, and just to sort of see your side of the story here, fake man, I know you said, um, you kind of like these sort of, sort of short and simple, which again, uh, nothing wrong with that. Uh, definitely a different perspective, which we can see the benefits from that. So, um, uh, and I feel that with that in mind, that with these short and simple, you can sort of see the larger story and, uh, I guess you can, um, digest it a little bit easier than sort of something that's a very long and um i guess you could say exaggerated thought process so uh how about you talk a little bit about your process and writing something like that well i generally like to go for something at least when writing for things online just to be kind of encapsulated um you know an entire experience that's kind of in there within 10,000 words or however many you're shooting for. And I don't know, it's odd. I've actually tried to write stories without a backstory at all. Like I've tried to have things where it just was a TF, but like it's just impossible to do. (laughs) And it's odd because like whatever setting, whatever details you mention just become the most important things. So, I mean, if you're writing someone, you know, transforming to a wolf by themselves in a dorm room, you've already set up that, well, it's in college and somehow they're managing to get through college, even though they are a wolf or will become a wolf in the future. So it just sets up all of these odd questions. And so, I don't know, just thinking about kind of the repercussions of these things has been really interesting for me. Actually, one of the um, interesting topics someone else brought up to me when asking these similar kinds of questions was if you change a character's personality 
So via transformation, you know, you could say that they were different before they transformed to after they transformed. And um, it, it was really interesting. Someone said, well, isn't this kind of like a snuff film? You know, you're killing the person because they were different from where they began and where they ended. And that's been a really interesting one for me to ponder over. Like, I can't quite answer it. Um, like, I would say... To me, it's more of a rhetorical device. So, you know, it's the same thing if you change someone's mind. So you have a discussion with someone and they thought something in the beginning, but by the end, they think something differently. It's kind of the same thing, in my opinion. It's a change in perspective. So a character in the beginning might think in a certain way, but due to this... Um, you know, radical shift in not just perspective, but in sense of self also. But I don't really think it's akin to kind of like the deletion of a personality most times because it is a like gradual process. Even in the case where someone ends up as something very different, even something non-intelligent to some degree, um, it's very much a thing where the process is more important than this kind of binary end result. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, I can see where you're coming from that. So uh, again, some very good contrast between it uh, both of you there. So we got to hear uh, both sides of the story, I guess you could say. So um, just to move on here and, and we're going to talk a little bit about the sort of um, not only in, within the transformation community, but just the whole general sense uh, worldwide. Um, and one in particular I want to speak of here is uh, the sudden popularity of uh, a novel, which I'm sure everybody knows where I'm going with this, but um, the whole thing with Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, oh my. Yes, so... Uh, of course, erotica has existed for centuries and centuries, but now in this, you know, grand world that exists with technology and media, um, we've had this sudden explosion of this particular uh, novel that even went as far as to become a movie. So um, one thing that sort of made me think about here is uh, the sort of taboo fetishes involved in the novel with the likes of bondage and uh, aggression and the like, and how that has become, I guess you could say, like a, a secret fantasy for some. So do you think that in terms of writing, that these kind of taboos are a little bit easier to uh, be digested by the general populace rather than like something visual like art or um, even media? So uh, we'll go ahead and start with you here, uh, Like and Dope. Uh, you know, in a way, I would actually have to say it's the other way around, um, that in some of these situations, the art actually has more leeway than the, um, than the written word. Um, you can show a picture of somebody tied up or, or something like that going on, and I think that's taken a lot easier than a whole story written around what's going on in, with the characters and, and, and the scene and everything else. I think, um, I think a lot of times there's, there's, there's less critical reception um, for a story with, with fetishes than the artwork. Um, I think, and I'm trying to think of why that would be different, but I mean, we've we've had pictures, we've had things like that in in the old, the what is it, R. Crumb, you know, who would have all these interesting uh, illustrations of all these things, and I I feel like in a way it's easy for people to just kind of ignore it or just kind of roll their eyes or just kind of whatever. But if you're actually writing something, you're taking the time to do it, and if you're going to be reading it, then you're going to be taking the time to do it, and um, you kind of have to put yourself in that story. To understand things or you kind of have to take time to, to go through the whole thing to kind of see what's happening so i think in that sense you have the art you can look at it you can take it or leave it you can do whatever you want 
and um, then it's done. But for the stories, it seems to be uh, way more way more um, critically received, way less receptive by the, the public. And I, I mean, you have the hidden little romance novels, and even those get made fun of, but um, anything beyond just a quick little image, a quick little picture of stuff seems to, seems to be taken a lot differently, um, I would think. I mean, even with the Fifty Shades of Grey, you, you get a pretty diverse selection of people that are, that are you know, Know, this is great or this was really hot or whatever and then of course the people that are this is terrible this is trash this is um either this isn't how it really is or this is just a sinful piece of whatever or you know it's 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 kind of different um, and i would say that art kind of can get away with it more than the writing can i got you okay so uh what about you fake man and uh one thing that I found interesting in relation to your work here is that some of your works do involve these sort of uh, interesting fetishes, I guess we could say, with the likes of uh, not only the transition physically from uh, one species to another, but I've also found that you've had transitions uh, also in gender, which is another controversial topic in today's time with the likes of uh, transgenders from a man to a woman or a woman to a man even. So, um, right. and not only that, but also the sort of uh, sexual experiences uh, within that uh, in terms of getting the erotica aspect of it across. So what are your thoughts in that regards? Um, well, to me, I guess from the Fifty Shades of Grey point, um, I agree that it's definitely one of those, it's hard to write a book that gets popular and is erotic without being kind of lampooned in some way. And I've seen just a lot of people, there's actually almost an internet game at this point, which is making up quotes from Fifty Shade of Grey that just like don't actually exist. And some of those are great. Like I awoke this morning to find that Christian Grey had, you know, shoved an entire orange into my mouth. And uh, there's just a lot of these, these like dot, dot, dot ones where people complain about the writing. But I think the subject is what really interests people. And I'm like, I think like people's mothers read this book now, which has always been the strange thing about writing to me. Like you can have all of these odd topics. I mean, if you go through and look in like a young adult section of the library, you can find more, you know, hyper violence, you know, sexuality and anything that you're ever going to see on TV. But people are okay because it's textual. And I guess there's this kind of active participation that you have to have to actually go through this book. But um, as for the kind of the roles and talking about, you know, gender and this bondage thing from Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, I don't know. I really like showing these things as actually being, I guess, to some degree, like a form of performance. I, I think when people get it kind of wrong, they get these ideas and take it as like a state of being. So like in Fifty Shades of Grey, um, you know, whoever the characters are, are just constantly in sexy mode. You know, they just go out and live their lives that way. Whereas... And this is kind of the thing that comes from images, too. It just deals with a lot of acting. So, I mean, in pornography or even in these just kind of pictures of people in these erotic situations, it's really odd to think that, well, directly after this, the person, you know, stood away from the props, probably had a check with whoever was directing it. They looked at it, decided if they wanted to keep it or not, and then maybe went and got coffee. I mean, real life gets in, but it's all about acting in these roles. And that's kind of the interesting point of writing a lot of this for me comes in, especially with like gender and stuff, because it's one of these, I mean, physically you can change, but even then you kind of have to perform your role to some degree. And there's definitely like this fantasy of it happening naturally, automatically, you know, when you turn into... A whatever when you turn into a dragon you become dragon-like 
But then there's also the idea that, like, even if you are something, if you are, you know, changed into this other thing, there's still some degree of acting that goes into being it, which is what really fascinates me about it with now this thespianism that goes into uh, wanting to be something, I suppose. Okay. And, um, and just to sort of uh, elaborate on that, um, one interesting story I found in particular of yours was a uh, story involving a woman that transforms into a wolf, and not only a wolf, but a male wolf. Um, and of course, like you said, that sort of transition from um, what would be considered in the general perspective a sort of a submissive role to a more dominant role and of course of the sort of uh contrasts and the elements involved with that uh portraying across to her her uh, um her other counterpart or her husband rather um and just the sort of things involved with that and how that played out was sort of interesting in terms of the mental change and the uh sort of the um sort of feeling or the emotions involved with that so um with that in mind do you uh feel that with the the sort of popularity i guess you could say with erotic novels that are coming to be um not only with the sense of the actual erotic novels themselves but the likes of say romance in general with the previously known um twilight series and the like do you think that with these novels coming on, on and about that this will open up venues for such taboos such as, you know, transgender and the like to become a little bit more understandable for the general populace? So uh, we'll go ahead and start with you, Fake Man, since uh, you probably have a little bit more experience in that regards. Well, I'm, I'm kind of hoping so. Um really these things just open up a whole can of worms for i mean people coming to just i don't know ex experience the idea of even thinking about these things in different ways i mean oh lord so like being on college campuses a lot of times you'll get um people coming in and there's a lot of like visiting preachers who, you know, do the hellfire and brimstone stuff. <laughs> and so there's one guy who came in and, you know, just decrying anal sex as a, you know, tenet of homosexuality. But being as it was in Portland, a bunch of people just kept asking like, well, why is this homosexual? So, you know, if there's a guy being nailed by his girlfriend with a strap on, why is this considered gay at all? And this just kind of flummoxed the man at this point. He's like, well, it's still sinful. And it's like, well, why? It's a man and a woman. This is what we were talking about. Yeah. And it ended up basically being like, well, it's gross, question mark. But there's this kind of idea where we just don't think about people as possessing the ability to kind of fill these other roles. Um, and so I'm kind of hoping this, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, Twilight, opens it up as being this kind of, I, I keep coming back to the word performative, but something that can be changed and not even in this, you know, um, great kind of permanent way, but I mean, people can act in different ways. There's different ways to be sexy other than being either like a lumberjack or a hooker. <laughs> There's, you know, this whole spectrum in between those things. And it's the same thing, like most transformations focus on, uh, in general, the ones I've seen. So if it's a male subject, they get more masculine, they get stronger, more aggressive, more in control of the situation. Most female characters become, you know, more significant, like submissive, maybe not, but like feral, needy is probably the better word there. And um, you can tweak the spectrum. Sometimes it's fun just to do the op. I mean, you have a male transforming and becoming needier or a female becoming more dominant. Uh, some of the most interesting ones are the ones where you have someone go through the full spectrum, you know, they feel more powerful, but at the same time have other certain needs 
and whether they're in a position of power or not, it's interesting to find how a character would react in those kind of situations. So I hope these things do bring this kind of fact that sexuality is not this binary of, you know, yes or no. It's this entire world of being able to change what role you play in it. You know, it's the whole bondage thing. You might have someone who loves being submissive, but that doesn't mean if you don't give them a whip, dot, dot, dot. It can't be, uh, you know, another kind of interesting sensation. So that's basically it. I hope it opens up the performative aspects of sexuality to people. Okay. And uh, just in relation to your works here, uh, since you're, you know, talking about the whole question with the whole controversy involving these taboos um with your works are you saying that you sort of explore these taboos or you go beyond the comfort zone for the general sense um and to sort of challenge um the i guess the sensations or the experience involved with those and to uh sort of convey it in a way that maybe is a little bit more understandable yeah i think that's pretty much it i mean challenging it is a way to say it basically just saying that these things like flat out can be attractive i mean it can be erotic to have you know uh dominant women without it being like a universal fetish so a lot of people would say like i'm into this you know i'm into dominant women or submissive men and my kind of point is like you could say i'm into dominance regardless of gender or you know it could be i'm sometimes into it it depends if it's a tuesday or not <laughs> and this might just be my own personal perspective, but like all kinds of stuff can be ridiculously sexy and we just have a very limited view. So I don't know. I hope the people that read my stuff just kind of take the different perspectives on what can be normal sexually. And yeah, normal is in huge, gigantic, like air quotes. I gotcha. All right. So good stuff on that. And uh, not to neglect you here, like in dope, but what uh, additional thoughts do you have to, for that matter? Uh, I actually think it's inevitable that the um, different taboos will start becoming more and more normal to everybody. Um, and I, I don't think it's just the the Fifty Shades of Grey kind of stories that will do it. I think it's it's just um, the internet, honestly. Um, mm -hmm you have now a global system where you're no longer stuck to the views and thoughts of your neighbors. And so you can actually be far more open-minded if you don't want to listen to them um, or, if, or if you want to see what other people say about this, or maybe you realize that you're kind of sort of interested in something. So you do a little bit of browsing and you find this thing that leads you to this thing that leads you to this. And suddenly you're reading about all of this interesting new stuff that you're finding yourself attracted to. Uh, I mean, it, it, look, it even goes to stuff like uh, what's happening in Egypt when all these people can suddenly talk to each other and plan things. It's the whole interconnectedness of everybody and seeing just how open the world is suddenly is giving people a much bigger idea of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Uh, and in a lot of cases, the big movements that have been happening recently, um, like the transgender issues that have been, oh, that have, I mean, it's been an issue for a while, but it's really, really started coming to the, um, the media as far as just what is acceptable and, and, and the different rights of different people and what they should have and shouldn't have. I think it's really forcing people to face what is normal and just to see that life isn't as fake man said and as it's i would hope that a lot of other people would see that it's it's so fluid you know that that this isn't the 50s this isn't the which is a fetish for some people but hey you know this isn't <laughs> where you've got the housewife at home in the 
Formica kitchen and, you know, the husband's out doing whatever, you know, it's the roles are so fluid now. And, and that's, that's part of, part of, uh, some of the themes in some of the writing is to show how, you know, it's like you said, it's not the binary, the, you've got the male that's does all the work and is aggressive. You've got the female that's submissive, you know, that there's bits and pieces and, and those roles can be changed and it's, it's not so simple anymore. And I think the internet is really bringing that to the front. Um, it's really breaking the, the bonds that people would have where maybe they would only see their small island and now they're forced to deal with the whole world. And that's kind of freeing people up, I think. And they're seeing what's acceptable. You know, if they don't like what their friends are saying, they don't have to talk to those friends anymore. And now they have all sorts of people online or maybe in their community that they never knew about, but now they can find and talk to and share those ideas and thoughts. And, um, but I do think that when things like this do gain popularity, um, the 50 shades of gray and everything else that it, it kind of does a jump start. Uh, it, it kind of, rather than letting it take its time, it kind of just slams it in people's faces and say, Hey, look at this. Uh, you should be okay with this. What do you think about it? You know, so it, it kind of forces it with perspective versus just letting people find their way to it. So, and I would not doubt that there were people before this movie, uh, the movie adaptation came out that they hadn't heard of it hadn't considered bondage or anything else. Maybe they saw one of their friends talk about it and like, well, what is this trash? Blah, 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 blah. And they go find it and they go, you know, actually that's kind of hot. You know, and, and I've heard the, the movie and the book are really not faithful to the BDSM scene. Uh, I haven't read it, so I couldn't tell you, but you know, it, at least if nothing else, it probably got people thinking and it forced them to think. And it, I'm, I would have no doubts that it opened some people's minds. And that's pretty awesome. Whether it has anything to do with our fetish or not, it's pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. I think think the BDSM, uh, actually, sorry to interrupt, but do you think there is a relation kind of between the, uh, the transformation scene and the BDSM scene in what people like in them? That's such a huge wide field that I don't, I don't know if that can be really pinpointed, um, in both. I mean, BDSM, there's so many different aspects to it and in transformation there's so many dis- different aspects to it for what what people get out of it and what they actually like you know or right what really gets it going for them um i think because for me a lot of it is the the shy nerd into the sexual beast thing or whatever you know or, or a little bit of the forced sex stuff you know yeah some of that's part of it bdsm is is kind of a I think you'd see a Venn diagram of some overlap there, but I think that's it's mm, it's really difficult to say without trying to break down all of it, trying to point it out. But I, I think there's there'd be some overlaps, but it's um, it's such a complex thing for so many people. It's it's really hard right. to say what some people get out of it, you know. Uh, I but yeah, I, I think that there there is some. Um, I think a lot of it is letting letting go of some things and letting different aspects of your personality out, um, giving them free reign, right. you know, being able to say, Hey, I've held this all in here is it, here it is. Be nice to it or force it out of me. Or it's, it's, it's just definitely some, some things that overlap, but it both are. Yeah. So- well, it's um, interesting to me that this fantasy of like the, either the loss of control or the, basically securing of control over another person it's it's odd to me in the bdsm scene that there's so much of a lead up to it though so i have friends into like tying knots with rope and they would just tell these stories of oh yeah so like there's this you know japanese way you can tie up like a body harness and it takes about two hours shibari yeah and so i'm just like so you were sitting there with another person for two hours, you know, tying them up. And I'm like, well, what do you do during that? Because, you know, when we see a picture of this stuff, it's a single sexy moment. But it's like, well, mostly talk, you know, we have coffee. And like, that's just the, the really bizarre thing to me. And then, you know, you have this empowered moment in fantasy or, you know, restrained moment in fantasy, whichever side. 
but you know there's something about the the preparation for bdsm that fascinates me mm-hmm. and i think yeah transformation has this similar kind of thing where you will either lose control or seize control somehow and this is i don't know attractive i suppose I've, I've tried I've, I've dabbled a little bit in some bdsm um for me personally it's not quite um my kind of thing uh, because yeah. a, lot of, a lot of the a lot of the prep and the build-up and the the figuring out the scene and 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 whatnot isn't isn't really exactly my kind of thing it's one of those things where i i would enjoy it sometimes and it's more of the not the patient like really super complicated shibari stuff or any of that kind of stuff. Um, right. But, but you know, the, the tying up and, 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 and setting some things up and, and, uh, you know, various things that I probably don't need to go into detail, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's in a way, yeah, it's, it's taking away control from the other person in a way. I mean, there, there's a lot of complex emotional and psychological things behind it, but, because uh, a lot of people say that the people being tied up are the ones in the control, um, right? They're the ones directing, and then there's they're the ones that are saying what's okay and what's not okay, versus the one that's doing it all, who's in in their minds who's the submissive one because they're the ones being told what's okay and what to do. Um, all right, it's just because the, there's so many different ways to go about it. It's pretty amazing. Um, so it's it's really hard to say, but. Yeah, some some parts of it are, I think, just kind of an enjoyable, relaxing, connecting with your partner, chatting, spending some time. And then there's this brief moment that it makes it all worth it. And then it's all undone. And are you okay? And do you need a blanket or a hug or something? And it's just really interesting how complex the whole thing is. Right. And that's the that's the thing I kind of like seeing, I don't know, in the... um story scene like the the aftermath is often kind of neglected when it comes to you know after whatever this really passionate scene was and it doesn't have to be much but just something at the end where i don't know some kind of like well what happens then you know they don't stay tied up forever or you know maybe they do and that's the point (laughs) yeah i agree and i i think I think I end some of my stories somewhat afterwards. There's a couple that on purpose, like it's the legal issues one has a pretty important after care kind of scene that kind of sets the tones and, 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 and kind of comes back around and makes the character feel better about what happened. So definitely it's, it's like the aftercare and kind of, a scene right. just to, just to make sure everything is okay. And it helps the reader sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty terrible with that. Like two thirds <laughs> of my stories end up with people falling asleep, so I'm, I'm guilty of basically. I do the same thing, and then they woke up and they're like, "Let's have breakfast," and then it's like done. It's like I don't, you know, I'm not trying to write a novel and a lot of these things. So what else? Do you <laughs> right. About it, but sometimes it's important, right? Right. Okay. So yeah, definitely see where you both are coming to here, and um. Just to sort of reiterate what I uh, spoke about on the previous episode here uh, in terms of uh, taboo, uh, especially since you both are kind of dwelling into that sort of aspect of it, um, was really the word taboo itself and the sort of uh, general uh, comprehension of the meaning. Uh, For me personally, I found that taboo is more of a label in a sense or a moniker for something that uh, maybe someone's just not experience or maybe has been brought up not to understand uh fully here so um that's kind of how i view these sort of things and it's kind of interesting um seeing the likes of 50 shades and gray and all that since uh maybe it's the whole theme of um you know sexual encounters of course being uh when you get very intimate with someone it it, it turns into a sense of uh exploration really so these sort of uh, um, experimentation, I guess you could say, sort of brings the 
this guy to the table here in terms of where to go with it. So I've always found that sort of an interesting uh, interconnection between the two and all that. So uh, yeah, definitely interesting things coming from the both of you, especially in regards to the whole BDSM scene and how that relates to transformation. So um, just to sort of get to a wrap up here with the episode, uh, what do you two feel uh, has in place or um, a future of the transformation writing hold for the community here, uh, especially in terms of what we've already spoken about here on the episode uh, in terms of the taboos and the whole process of writing and all that. So we'll go ahead and start with you, Lycan Dope. Gosh, this one's a difficult one. Um, <clears throat> on one hand, I kind of think that perhaps it's there's there's not going to be a whole heck of a lot of changes. Um, I mean, places like Amazon and Barnes and Nobles already has have people submitting stories, you know, trans, transformation stories, uh, transgender stories. Uh, and so in that sense, it's already getting out there. Um, whether that'll become more mainstream, like the Fifty Shades of Grey, it's kind of hard to say. Um, the, you have some stories that have a little bit of it in and masquerades in there, probably like Bitten, um, which I haven't read, but, you know, it's, it's kind of our, our, out there. They even made a TV show about it. So, you know, uh, Almost Human, I think, was another one with some transformation stuff in there. I think, I think it's out there already, um, in a sense. I'm uh, not sexualized as much as the um, Fifty Shades is, but um, I think from a more local standpoint, more, from more of a transforma transformation community standpoint, I think it'll probably stay the same in a lot of the sense. Uh, it's writing has been around for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, uh, transformation stuff has been around for quite a long time. Uh, I think the tools that we get as technolo technology increases will be interesting to see um, and whether that translates into um, something more impressive than plain interactive fiction would be pretty interesting to see uh, whether, I mean, it kind of goes from there. I, I've, I'm even considering starting up a, um, since I do programming, uh, a choose your own adventure kind of uh, website. Mm. You know, people could come in and kind of create their own stuff. Okay. It's already around. I can't say that that's anything in the future, but <laughs> I think as more people collaborate and technology increases, you'll see some probably some pretty interesting um, ideas before some people trying out some new things, maybe some uh, some um, interesting um, interactive things. But in the short term, I, I think writing is writing. And I think it'll kind of continue. I don't, I don't know that there's any magical, cool future thing to look forward to. I, I think uh, it, it'll continue as it has and, and uh, possibly gain more acceptance. It's, it's hard to say. Right. All right. I got gotcha. you. And, um, and it's to kind of elaborate what you said about the whole Amazon and the Barnes & Noble thing. Um, I can pretty much agree on that matter in terms of how technology changes uh, the way we sort of uh, get to uh, utilize our tools to put out literature, uh, especially in terms of since with the internet age here, it'll uh, make it a little bit easier to explore the various um, venues and uh, adventures and whatnot to uh, um, sort of. I guess, indulge one's mind. So, um, and what about you here, uh, Fake Man? What are your thoughts on that? Um, pretty much the same. Like, I don't think there's going to be any, like, radical changes in the format. I suppose probably more episodic things um, will come out. A lot of people like writing chapters as if it were a novel or something. Uh, might become more common. Um, and yeah, there's already, I don't know, like transformation isn't exactly like mainstream, but there are quite a few books about, you know, werewolves or other things along that line. I remember there's one called Sharp Teeth, which is actually, I think, written in a really weird way. It's almost like written in verse, 
But yeah, pretty much about regular werewolf stuff. And it's from, you know, years and years ago. In addition, I think Anne Rice is doing werewolves in addition to sexy vampires. Um, that being said, like, for actual writing, um, it's kind of interesting to do just like a mimetic study on what people like write about what is considered I don't know, kind of like normal. So it'd be interesting to see like, well, what kind of kinks come out of this in the next 10 years? Because recently I've seen like um, people turning into pool toys that have been like just been a thing. And I kind of like figuring out where that came from would be interesting. Some (laughs) sociologists should tackle that. And um, like it could be anything. That's the nice thing about transformation stuff. I mean, you know, it could be species, bents, roles, positions, and I don't know. It could literally just go anywhere, which is why it's kind of fascinating. Nice to be a part of it. Right, right. And um, just to sort of go back on the whole taboo part of it, um, it is. it was pretty intriguing to see both of your perspectives on that matter, uh, especially in relation to the whole bondage ordeal. Um, and that should um, be a good, I guess, a good initiator for the sort of thing uh, theme I was thinking of for the next season, which, uh, of course, involves the whole taboo issue, uh, not only related to worldwide fetishes such as bondage and all that, uh, but even um, content within the community itself, um, not only with transformation, but as well as like with the furry and how that interconnects with the likes of the uh, whole um, the cock transformation and latex and all the others, uh, just as you had stated. So uh, that should be something really interesting to look forward to. Um, but again, um, some really interesting perspectives from both you two. Oh, can I, um, I want to jump in real quick. Um, one mm-hmm. thing I'm forgetting to mention is um, I think so I was going to argue against the use of the word taboo, but then I was actually reminded of something that had come up in the past and something that's possibly holding it back in the, the mainstream eye is that I think some people actually consider like werewolf stuff or anything like that, uh, bestiality. And I think mm-hmm. that's done some damage to the, um, to the viewpoint. Cause I've, I had one site that I was posting to, I forget the name of it. And after a couple of stories, I started posting, some more and I would get them rejected and it would come back saying, you know, this is bestiality. I'm like, it's not bestiality. It's not like they're animals, they're, you know, werewolves or they're whatever. And it's like, well, there's, they're not human. They're, they're still animal forms. We can't actually show that. I think that's, that's actually something that's kind of a taboo in that situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that some people view it. I mean, especially if you're going full wolf or full animal, then yeah. I mean, especially, uh, I think that's kind of an issue for other people. I don't care. Cool. Great. <laughs> All right. But I, I think that's that's something that's kind of kind of a hit against it is that there are some people that view that just as two animals having sex versus all the vampire crap that's <laughs> there is like those are still humans, you know. So I think that's an issue. Right. I gotcha. And uh, just to sort of add into that, I was thinking about the uh, show Bitten um, towards the end there and how that's sort of, I guess you could say, opening the doors towards the whole female becoming an animal in today's media uh, since the good majority of previous films and the like are, of course, the male dominance. Um, So, yeah, definitely can see where you're coming from that. So... um, We are coming sort of towards the close of this episode here. So just to sort of uh, give us some closure, uh, what sort of advice do you two have for, say, someone who wants to start writing or improve their skills? Uh, So we'll go ahead and start with you, uh, Like and Dope. Um, I've actually had some people ask for reviews that were basically more than just, hey, I liked your story and, and to actually do editing, which... I sometimes feel bad at it because I am not trained as in as a writer. So it was kind of all through trial and error. And, and um, uh, so I feel bad about that. But what I guess I would tell people is um, 
first the throwaway line of, of write and write and write and write some more and just keep writing. But I think more important than that is to actually um, try to fix a lot of your errors, um, see what you're writing, ask for a little bit of help and, you know, have somebody look it over and then listen to what they say as far as what you're doing grammatically and then also what you're doing story-wise that might not be working. Um, and not to just take it as somebody that's being your editor that's actually going through and editing your story, but as somebody that's actually saying, hey, you know, look at these. These are some problem areas that you should probably figure out what you're doing wrong here. And then to take what that person says and to actually figure out why, because you don't want to keep doing it, and then to actually correct it. Um, transformation stories have a unique aspect as well the transformation part um, it's actually kind of tiring to write uh, i could write a normal story um, and just it would just be great because i wouldn't have to worry about having to detail out that transformation it takes a lot out to kind of really make that work uh, it's actually something i somewhat dread sometimes and so you know you really gotta work hard uh, depending on how you like to describe your your transformation, but to to really watch it, what's working, uh, watch it, how it's all connecting, um, and have your reasons for what's happening, uh, um, what's going to happen before, what's going to happen after, um, and just bear in mind that a lot of people, again, depending on the story you're writing, um, want your world to work that just because it's transformation or it has some fantasy or stuff, that it still has to make some sort of sense. You know, sit down, come up with a world plan, especially if you're going to build multiple stories and thing, figure out the rules and the logic for what you're doing um, and stick to it. Uh, make everything make sense, whether it's the characters totally turn into something else and it's, and it's because of this, then great. That's what you're doing as long as it makes sense. So I think it's multiple things of just um, I get a lot of people that are a little bit worried about their their writing ability. And so it's a kind of a combination of, OK, well, work on these issues, these grammatic or these whatever issues, but then also make sure it all flows. Make sure your world works. Uh, make sure everything's logically happening the way it should um, and make sure that you don't lose the reader along the way. And all of that just comes from writing and then writing again and then not being ashamed to put stuff out there that might not be the greatest stuff in the whole wide world. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, what about you, Fake Man? What do you have to say? Uh, pretty much more of the same. I mean, uh, basically fail as fast as possible. Um, <laughs> like a lot of people don't start doing something because, yeah, it's not the greatest thing in the world. But... Uh, my point is like start doing that now because you have to start somewhere so really just the process of writing uh, is really this self-reflective thing i mean as long as you can go back and read what you've written uh you'll progress i mean a lot of people have the problem like it's like the frankenstein's monster thing where you'll write something and then you'll go back and read it and you're just like oh it's terrible how could someone do this how did these words even come out and then, you know, there's a certain point where you kind of have to come to terms with that. You know, it's never going to be this grand, perfect idea that you have in your head. You've got to mediate it through these black words on a white screen. And um, really just pay close attention to what you do. And every time you write something, um, learn something from it, you know, even if it's just mastering a form you've already done before, you can, you can always get a little bit better and don't worry about it. I mean, it, don't worry about writing something that's not great. I mean, you might as well. The Internet's a wonderful place to share things. And it's really difficult to force people to watch something that you put out. So, I mean, don't worry. If people want to look at it, they will. It's not like you're shoving it down their throats or anything. That being said, if, if you have friends that are willing to read this kind of stuff, absolutely shove it down their throats. Like, getting feedback is one of the best kind of things for improving yourself. Because you get just a different perspective. I mean, a lot of the things that you do don't seem like mistakes when you do them until someone else points it out. So really be willing to work with other people, take feedback, 
but at the same time, have your own vision and just, yeah, the boring advice, write a lot. <laughs> I gotcha. No problem with that. So, uh, again, uh, I do appreciate you two for being on here and being able to share the, uh, the side of the community in terms of literature. I know we've had a couple of writers in the past podcast, but, um, it's great to at least hear uh, an episode that's for, focused more on so with the literature and the whole process involved. Um, so again, um, for our listeners out here, um, if you want to look into more of both of these awesome writers' works um, onto their um, pages here, um, go ahead and start with Like and Dope. Uh, of course, you can find his Fur Finnery affinity gallery uh which i believe is one of his main uh galleries that he posts to um which can be found on furfinity.net forward slash user forward slash lichen dope and that's spelled l-y-c-a-n-d-o-p-e um and then of course his other site as he had stated earlier found here uh which is olddog77.deviantart.com so um, two ways to look at his works if you have either or and um, can look into his awesome erotic art and just sort of dive in into his stories. So uh, and then, of course, with Fake Man here to see his works uh, also on furfinity.net and that is furfinity.net forward slash user forward slash Fake Man, F-A-K-E-M-A-N. And again, you can view his gallery there. Um, some great things involving uh, sort of, I guess you could say exploration, like I said earlier, uh, not only with um, the general straight, you know, male, female, but also the female to male and male to male and whatnot. So uh, some interesting, interesting things looking towards that. And it uh, looks like you have a soft brewery here, so I'm not sure if you frequent that at all. But um, I'll go ahead and put that out in case, which is the... Uh, fakeman.surfurry.com if uh, any of you listeners out there frequent Surfurry at all. Surfurry at all. So, um, again, appreciate you two for coming on here. Uh, it was certainly a pleasure to hear uh, both your experiences and opinions on what we've talked about today. Um, so, with uh, nothing else to say here, I do appreciate everybody for listening to the podcast and I should look forward to the next episode. So uh, I'm not sure if these two have some final words for us, but we'll go ahead and let them say what they need to say if need be, and then we'll go ahead and close this off. Thanks for having me. That's about it. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. All right, no problem. So uh, again, um, thank everybody for listening, and if you have any suggestions or uh anything as far as recommendations go for future podcasters please do let me know and we can uh put those people onto the show so uh thanks again for listening and uh we'll see you guys on the next episode and that's all she wrote as some would say it that was episode six for season two changing times podcast and so like i've said before much more to come for season two so certainly stay tuned for all of that otherwise if you'd like to scrounge around on the new website you're more than welcome to do so and if you find any gaps or any more ideals that you'd like to send my way of course you can send those to me and i will certainly take it into consideration So uh, with that said, uh, one other thing I want to say before I forget is, of course, that I am still looking for potential artists for uh, episode banners. So uh, this will be an ongoing thing, like I've said before. I will be featuring probably four to five artist piece on each banner for each episode. That way we can get some exposure for these uh, upcoming and rising artists and new artists so that they can dive into the transformation community and join our veterans on these spotlights and features. So uh, definitely send those artists my way so that way I can give them the exposure that they need so that they can further pursue their art career or uh, 
get some more feedback on their own work. So uh, with that all said, I do again appreciate you all for listening into the podcast. And here's to listening to the rest of season two. So this is Cheesy. This is the Changing Times podcast. Thank you all for listening and good night.